Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Hi, welcome to the special edition of Leaders Alliance. My name's Elijah, and I'm here with Michael Berdour, the head of Leaders Alliance. And I get the privilege of interviewing him today. Uh, Michael, you have been such an influence on my life since going back to 2015. You've mentored me, and it is such an honor to get to interview someone I consider a spiritual father, and I have so much respect for you. I get to see you behind the scenes, get to see you mentor people. Um, You are a level 10 leader in my book, and I just want to thank you for being that to me. Well, that's an honor. That means a lot to me. Thank you. So I caught the vision for Leaders Alliance months before we ever launched. You and I started talking about this, and you told me what you're doing, and I'm like, this is brilliant. Um, what kind of cultural problems you, you had talked about this is you started seeing things in the culture that you said, this, the church has got to speak into this. We've right. got to re- raise up leaders to go into these different section, sections and how do we do this? And this birth the vision for Leaders Alliance. So could you talk about those kind of cultural issues that yeah, I mean, probably some of the biggest things that I was seeing is just, you know, we came through this year of COVID, well, almost two years, yeah, right. and we came through a very tense and difficult election season. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the war in Afghanistan that just sort of abruptly ended in a pretty scandalous wow. way. I mean, we were dealing with issues of uh, riots on the streets, riots at the Capitol. I mean, we had all these problems that we're dealing with, and and I just began to think, where is the church right now? Mm-hmm. Where is the voice of the church? And as I was looking around, I just couldn't hear that voice anymore. And it really hit me. It struck me that I don't know if the church has had less of a voice, mm-hmm. less influence in culture than it does right now. Sure. In other words, you think back 100 years, 200 years, you know, you think about the different hospitals and s- social service organizations, most of them 200 years ago, we're all Christian. In other words, Christians were, were, were at the helm of hospitals and orphanages and, and care and ca- caring for the poor and so forth. You, you think of the church and the way that the first great awakening and the second great awakening happened. And you think about the, the influence that the church had in terms of government, in terms of reformation, even in terms of, let's say, the civil rights movement in the, in the 60s. You think about all those aspects and the church seems to be silent right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we've been marginalized to a point of irrelevance. Mm-hmm. In fact, even the terminology of recent years was the church is not essential. Yeah. An abortion clinic is essential. Mm-hmm. Uh, a liquor store is essential. A pot distribution store is essential. Mm-hmm. But the church is considered non-essential. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. How did we end up where we are right now? And as I began to diagnose the problem... I came to some pretty clear solutions. What, what were they? Well, before we get to those, though, mm-hmm. I'd like to actually shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the moment we're in in the kingdom of God. Okay. 
because I believe that it's, it is essential that we reclaim our voice, but we have to understand the reclaiming of our voice in the light of a few mm-hmm. factors. Okay, number one is I was saved during the Jesus movement. Mm-hmm. And the Jesus movement was, I believe, one of the most radical worldwide revivals that we've had in history. In fact, it's estimated that up to 4 million people came to the Lord during that time. And that's that's awesome that that happened. Okay, now, the Jesus movement came at a very similar time to the one we're in right now. Okay, we were in a horrible war called the Vietnam War. That war ended abruptly around 1975. It was it was done with a lot of scandal. I mean, we were dealing with political polarities. We had, you know, Nixon and we had uh, LBJ, that whole situation. We had riots that were taking place in Watts and in and in uh, Detroit and other places. You know, race riots, the racial tensions were as high as possible. You know, uh, RFK had just been killed. You know, Bobby Kennedy, um, Martin Luther King had been killed and assassinated. I mean, all these things were happening. And it seemed like, how can we ever get back from where culture is going at this time? Mm-hmm. And then, guess what? God began to move. In a sovereign way, he brought revival. And and literally, it wasn't just the United States, although, you know, my wife, Diane, as I've said before, was baptized on the, the, the beaches of Corona del Mar in Southern California during the Calvary Chapel version of the Jesus movement. I was in Northern California. It was a bit different up here. It was a little bit less grand and, and large, but it was very powerful and potent in terms of people coming to Christ. But literally, I've met people all over the world in Australia. I've met people in Latin. America. I met people in uh, in Europe that came to the Lord sovereignly during the same time because God was on the move. Mm-hmm. So that gives me hope at this moment that even though things seem very bleak, and I can go on and on about some of the challenges we're facing as a, as a culture, that God is on the throne. In fact, I was reading Psalm 2 this morning, and it said, you know, that basically God sits mm-hmm. over the earth and he laughs. Right Now, I get freaked out. I think we should be freaked out. I think there should be a sense of urgency that we're feeling right now about where our culture is at. But then I look at God and, and I see his heart and I see that scripture that says he's not freaking out himself. Mm-hmm. He's not wringing his hands saying, what am I going to do? No, God has a plan and we're part of that plan. Okay, that's number one. Number two is I believe we are on the verge of a what could be a billion soul harvest, at least a new great awakening. There could be upwards of a billion souls coming to Christ in this coming season. How do we deal with that? Well, we have to look at where the church is at and say, well, the church is not really ready for that. And I wrote a book on that called Revival Culture, Prepare mm-hmm. for the Next Great Awakening. Banning Leapshire put a couple chapters in. Bill Johnson put a chapter in. It's an amazing book about how to reposition ourselves for what God's about to do. I believe we're in that season now. I believe that God is about to do some amazing things on the earth. But the question is, where's the church? Mm-hmm. Where are we at? If you just look at it in raw numbers, if we're going to pastor a billion new souls, we need 10 million new leaders at a ratio of one per hundred. Okay, well, where are we going to get those leaders? I mean, there's not enough Bible schools. There's not enough schools of ministry or YWAM bases or whatever to produce that level of leaders. We need an actual revolution in the church. Right. So how do we get there? Well, that's the issue is, is that I believe that there's two factors we need to hold simultaneously. And one is the factor of revival, 
that God could at any moment break in. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But then there's also the issue of what we call Reformation. Now, 500 years ago, we had Protestant Reformation. There was 1,500 years of the church evolving in a certain direction that needed correcting. Martin Luther stood up. He, he had 95 statements that he believed were crucial in terms of bringing the church back to its intended role. Three of the top issues that he codified at that time, salvation by faith alone, the authority of Scripture. But the third one was identified but never fully implemented, and that was the priesthood of every believer. See, if we look carefully at the Scripture— and then we look at the church through the light of the scripture, we see that the church has drifted off its foundations to becoming primarily a consumer organization, a spectator organization, rather than an organization that's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, uh, an organization that is committed to the Great Commission, but not just the leaders are committed, but every member is committed to making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. In other words, there needs to be, I believe, Reformation 2.0. Okay. I think we have to readjust the church to take the truth of the priesthood of every believer and re-implement it at a higher level. What does that look like? We're in post-truth culture. Um, you know, you're talking about culture falling apart and certainly we've lost it at an institutional level. We we don't influence government anymore at, at, at the same degree. And people say, even when Christians did it, it was so terrible. We don't right. want that. Right. And so what does that look like for you? Wow. Well, first of all, I think it begins with the individual believer. Right now, because of the way the church is organized, it's centered around stages and celebrities. Yeah, and because true. it's centered around stages and celebrities, the unintended ill effect of that is that people are not being empowered in terms of their personal identity in Christ, their personal sense of authority in Christ, and in terms of their personal destiny in Christ. And so what happens is the majority of believers, we're talking probably 80% of all believers, never fully enter into being the salt and light that Jesus asked them to be. Or to the, you know, in, in Revelations 1, verses 5 and 6, to be the priest and king that Jesus asked them to be. So what happens is, is that 80% of the church is relegated to a spectator role. And that has to shift. If we want to make a difference, if we want to have enough leaders to be able to care for a massive harvest of souls, if we want to have enough disciple makers to take those disciples, especially in the midst of a postmodern world where truth is, is constantly being challenged and in question, that the challenges of discipleship in our generation are much greater. But the problem is that the average believer has never been discipled. That's true. And therefore, they don't have the experience or equipment mm -hmm. to really disciple others effectively. So there has to be a massive shift in the way we do church. We need to, and, and actually, surprisingly, COVID has helped us in this because COVID actually broke the power of the stage-centered church mm -hmm. that basically 10 people did all the ministry and everybody sat and watched. Okay, now, because of COVID, we've been all forced onto Zoom. We've been in, in online meetings. We've been actually having to decentralize leadership 
to the average individual in a way that's actually empowered the individual if we don't return to the other stage-centered reality too soon. In other words, I'm not against big meetings. I love large meetings, and I think there's a place for them. In fact, we would call that the tribe. Sure. But you can't raise a child in a tribe. You can't develop a disciple in a tribe. You know, put your hand on your neighbor and pray for them for 30 mm -hmm. seconds is not going to make a disciple. Okay. Disciples are made in families. Right. And that's where we need small groups, and we need one-on-one -on -one to return to be the highest value of the church. In other words, a Sunday morning meeting, in fact, Jesus never said go into all the world and have great Sunday morning meetings. He never said go into all the world and preach a great sermon. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, all the studies that are done on learning styles show that lecturing is probably the least effective form of the transmission of information. Sure. That one-on-one -on -one or one-on-small group interaction where we're actually dialoguing, where we're practicing, and where we're ultimately teaching others, that's where the real learning takes place. So unfortunately, our methodology in the modern church doesn't match the message of the gospel, mm -hmm. nor does it match the mandate of the gospel, mm -hmm. which is to make disciples. So there has to be a shift, and that's what we are committed to. One of the things as you're talking about reformation that, that I think is very important is that technology led to the reformation the gutenberg press allowed That's it right. to function and That's we're right. in a technological shift with the internet yeah and it allows us to meet with brothers and sisters in christ all around the world yeah. that have passion and it's what i love about being in my leaders alliance small group is that Everyone shares the same core values and passion, and you feel the catalytic flow. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can always get that in local church yeah. environments because you may have a church of 100, and you may be the one person who's a thought leader or an emerging mm -hmm. leader or whatever. Yeah. And so can you talk about how going online is um, part of your vision for equipping leaders? Yeah. Well, Leaders Alliance, obviously, is a global community of kingdom-minded leaders. Sure. We break into groups related to our passions, which is different than most movements and most, most uh, uh, groups that are out there right now. You know, we have networks and movements, but they're all usually associated around the idea of uh, a single denomination or a single sort of a history dynamic. Um, many of the groups are, are focused around geography. Okay, I live in the Northeast, therefore I'm going to meet with people in the Northeast. What we decided in Leaders Alliance, if we really want to make a change in the Christian culture to impact the culture around us, we need to shift to focus on passions. So right. what we did then was we developed a number of groups, the church leadership group, the marketplace place group, the group that you're leading, which is the thought leader group. And then we have probably five or six others that are on the drawing board to be launched in this coming season. So we have a church planner group that's already going. We have a prophetic intercessory group that's going. Each of these groups have power and value, okay? But we're going to launch a few more in the coming season. We're going to launch a group focused on family, the nuclear family and how it works. We're going to have a group focused on emerging leaders, young leaders who are, who are at risk right now because of the deconstruction dynamics of the church. There's a bunch of stuff that we want to pioneer towards, outreach and evangelism and mercy ministries. All those things are crucial. All right. We want to gather people together according to their passions so they can develop a forum for cross-pollination, 
so that they can actually develop product that can cross pollinate with the other groups yes. so that, you know, thought leaders can go back to the church leaders and say, hey, church leaders, you need to awaken to some new concepts that we've been developing in our thought leader mm -hmm. group or vice versa. The marketplace people can actually talk to the thought leaders and then talk back to the church leaders. And really, we can begin to build this coalition coalition of mobilized individuals. Mm -hmm. There's not just spectators, not just people that are sitting and feed me, feed me, but they're people who have actually activated their thought processes. They've activated their spirits, their prayer life to be part of the solution and not mm -hmm. simply spectators trusting others to be part of the solution. Right. And I think also there's a mentorship element, but there's also a peer element in yeah. this where you're running with peers going at your same pace. So thought leaders were seeing people starting to post their first things on online and it's been in their mind four or five years. And there's this real catalytic element that I think you just don't get other places. Mm -hmm. And can you talk maybe about how that dynamic works between mentorship and working with peers. Yeah, because our goal ultimately is to be a mentoring force for the body of Christ. Right. Like we want to be able to release church leaders who can mobilize their people effectively. We want to release marketplace people who are, understand the church, who are working in harmony with the local church to release marketplace leaders in a powerful, influential way. Mm -hmm. So our goal is to produce that, but we also want to do so in such a way that honors the individual calling of each member. Mm -hmm. And that's where the peer dynamic comes in. Mm -hmm. So the peers are relating to one another. They're sparking one another. As iron sharpens iron, they're sharpening one another. But we also know that there's going to be others rising up who will need to be mentored. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're releasing a group of mentors and we're not quite there yet. We'll probably be there, you know, in the second quarter of next year, but starting to then gather a whole new group of new members that we can mentor and accelerate them mm -hmm. into being the world changing leaders that God's called them to be. Mm -hmm. So I'm super excited about that. And I believe that this is part of the key. See, part of what we're after is to really create um, the mobilizational dynamic that we're longing right, for. Right. And that's really what, what's required at this time. See, in other words, if we, like right now, according to George Barna, who does the study of churches, the average church is mobilized at around 15%. In other words, that means that about 15% of the people are doing all the work in the church, and about 15% see themselves as influencers in the world around them. In other words, there's not a high mobilization rate. Now, again, that doesn't mean that people don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that they're not going to heaven. No, we, 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 Christianity as it exists right now is the best that we could have done in the midst of where we evolved to. Sure. Okay. But what we're saying is, what does the scripture say? Yeah. What is the goal of scripture? And I believe that we should flip this so that instead of 15% being mobilized, let's say 15% are struggling, they're in the hospital, they can't really serve in some dynamic way, but 85% are mobilized. Mm -hmm. See, if we can shift on that level, I believe the church will be ready for the next great awakening. Right. And I, I would like to add, what makes you, Leaders Alliance unique is that you stay in your local church. You don't have to you know, so much of revivalism has been, well, let's fly out to Bethel or let's fly out to Toronto or Iris. 
and you stay in your local church and they get to receive the fruit of your transformation. And so it's a catalyst for your home church to explode. And that's really beautiful. And so I think a lot of people are going, Michael, I I get this. I, I need this. How do I start getting involved in Leaders Alliance? Well, getting involved in Leaders Alliance is pretty easy. First okay. of all, you can just become, a, you know, just a member of our website by joining a, the the mailing list and getting our newsletter and being invited to special events that will be open to you. Accessing some of our free content that's available on YouTube and other places. That's easy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Becoming a member is a little bit more challenging because we want you to really understand. And so we we have a strong member care component where we'll answer your questions. We'll bring you in and actually build together because we're looking for other collaborators. We're looking Mm -hmm. for, and, and our hope is to actually help build a platform for your voice to be heard right? and for the voice of every single member to be heard. And so that requires a little bit more focus. Yes, there is a membership fee. There's a membership enrollment. We're going to ask you which of the catalyst groups would you like to be a part of? Would you be willing to take on a mentoring role with others eventually? Because our goal, again, is mobilization. We want to get people moving in terms of kingdom activation Mm -hmm. so they can be the world changers that God's called them to be. Now, let me explain something about this, because um, one of the the thoughts you brought up just a second ago is that we want to center this thing around the local church. And I want you to hear this clearly. We believe that the local church is still and has always been in the very center of God's purpose. And that, unfortunately, though, the church has shifted over the years. If you look at the church in the book of Acts, it was dynamic. It was powerful. People were coming to Christ every day. There was radical generosity. There were signs and wonders. They continued in the steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. See, those things were characteristic of the early church. But as you follow church history, especially past about the third century, you start to see a shift gradually taking place that ended up requiring a reformation. And that shift was that the church became increasingly pastoral. Mm. Now, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, apostle, or the word apostle, means to be sent. In other words, the purpose of God and the Great Commission is that we would be sent ones that would go out and transform the world by winning souls to Christ, by making disciples, by training leaders who would then influence the world in a positive way so that the environment of the world would be conducive to more souls getting saved, more disciples being made, and more influence being exerted. Okay, This was God's purpose in the Great Commission. Unfortunately, the church drifted off that foundation that apostolic foundation, and drifted into what we would call a pastoral foundation. Now, the Mm. impulse of a pastor is to gather people, to care for them, and to keep them safe. Right. (laughs) The impulse of an apostolic leader is to gather people, train them, and send them forth. The church ceased to be a sending organization Mm -hmm. and became increasingly a caregiving organization. Right. And so what happened as a result is what we would call the church and parachurch polarity. Because if you think back, let's say 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 
the church became basically non-impactful. Mm-hmm. It wasn't part of the high value of the church. It wasn't what we were after. And so people who felt a more missional call would step outside the church and build ministries that we call parachurch, outside or alongside the church. So we have groups, wonderful groups that I love, like YWAM mm-hmm. or let's say World Vision going outside the church. We have other kinds of uh, justice organizations going outside the church. We have like the Salvation mm-hmm. Army, which does have churches, but most of their ministry is done outside the church. Um, we have also political groups that, that were trying to affect that, let's say anti-abortion groups. Um, and then we also have marketplace groups that all kind of separate themselves from the church to build their own special mission. Right. We believe that's part of the problem, not part of the solution. Yeah. Because the missional people and the caregiving people actually are two parts of the same body. Mm -hmm. It's like if you thought about Jesus as the body of Christ, the caregiving portion is like the torso, but the arms the hands, the feet have been cut off and are functioning somewhat separate from the torso now. We need to actually reintegrate the body if we want to see the full power and manifestation of the church in the world around Mm -hmm. us. And this is really what we're trying to do at Leaders Alliance. We're trying to activate people who are called on the missional side and those that are called on the church side and bring them back together into dynamic cooperation and collaboration for the impact of the kingdom in the world. And I think that's the Ephesians vision of the fivefold is yeah. that the church learns to build itself up in love. Yes. And so we have to have each other's voices because I might have some biz- business issues from you know thought leadership or that I need to talk to someone about and I need to talk to a guru and and you know I'm I'm seeing catalytic leaders here that inspire me and uh, Mm -hmm. that we're becoming friends um the same for the church side how do i communicate this in a way the church can digest and so i love that about this vision yeah yeah no it's it's really what we're after is that reintegration see we have two dynamics in the kingdom of god that are really both important one is diversity the other Mm -hmm. one is unity Mm -hmm. okay and unity and diversity together create synergy Right. If we were all exactly uniform, you know, in lockstep with one another, kind of doing all the same thing at the same time, we would have unity, but we wouldn't have diversity and we wouldn't be reflecting the fullness of Christ. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if we had a ton of diversity, but no unity, we'd have chaos. Right. One of my favorite verses is, is in Ephesians 3.10, where it says that now unto principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. In other words, the church is supposed to be the place where all the aspects of Christ are represented. The marketplace ministry, the evangelism, the social services that we're bringing, you know, the the thought leadership that we're bringing, the media direction, the cultural influence, all of that should be unified within what we call the body of Christ. And as that, that unity takes place with that manifold And in fact, the word manifold means multicolored or multifaceted. Mm -hmm. So so when Jesus ascended on high, he gave five gifts to the church in Ephesians 4. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Each of those gifts reflects an aspect of his nature and character and his actual function. 
And so I'm not hung up on titles. I don't believe that. I believe it's one of the biggest mistakes we've made is to make that all about titles. No, it's about function and fruit. In fact, verse 11 isn't even the primary verse in that passage. The primary verse is verse 12, that those gifts were given to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ. In other words, every single believer needs to be activated. God's activating tool is that diverse expression, the manifold mm -hmm. wisdom of God expressed through those five gifts, equipping and empowering every member to be activated for Christ in a way that produces impact in the world around us. So if someone's listening to this, they're going, am I right for Leaders Alliance? Maybe I'm not right. How do they tell, you know, maybe maybe they're new to ministry, maybe they've been in 20 years. How, yeah. how do you know this is right for me? <clears throat> maybe they want to grow, maybe they don't. So how, how do you tell this is right, this is not right for me? Well, the first thing I would say is that you need to have, as uh, Teo Hayashi said in our last interview last week, he said, you know, vision begins with dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. Are you happy with where the church is at in relationship to the world? I would say if you're feeling like, wait a minute, we can do better. If you're feeling like, hey, wait a minute, the emperor's clothes, the emperor has no clothes on. If you're in this situation where you're thinking, you know, we're doing church, but churchianity is not changing the world right now, mm -hmm. then you're a candidate for Leaders Alliance. The second thing is if you believe that God's given you a message that can actually make a difference in the world around us, then I would say you're a candidate for Leaders Alliance. If you have a passion, let's say, to reform the church and make the church uh, a greater and purer expression of the heart of Jesus, mm -hmm. you're a candidate. If you have a vision for the marketplace, and yet you also still value the, the local church, and you want to see the two work together to bring transformation to the economic uh, structures of a given city or region, then you're a candidate. If you have a vision to see uh, Hollywood-influenced and to be producing a media that will actually bring transformation to the world around us, you're a candidate. In other words, we believe that ultimately Leaders Alliance is really for those people who, first of all, have that holy dissatisfaction. They're hungering for real revival, but they also realize that revival is something that's quite sovereign. It comes and goes as God dictates, but reformation is something that we have a high responsibility to produce. Mm -hmm. We can bring Reformation 2.0. We can actually see the church transformed. We can see ministries outside the church transformed and reconnected to the church. We can see the body of Christ rise up in a way that our influence and our impact is known in the world around us. Wow. So, let me ask you this. There's people out there, they're struggling with maybe some lies right now. Um, you know, well, it'll take my time. And you go, well, you're, you're, this is way more important than a few yeah. hours of your day. What lies do you think people are struggling with as they're deciding, should I be in Leaders Alliance or not? Yeah, I think um, probably the biggest one is I'm too busy. Okay. I think that that's probably one of the ones we encounter all the time across the body of Christ when I'm coaching churches, coaching pastors. My people are too busy. And really what's happened is we're not really too busy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it's really a priority problem is that we've actually gotten ourselves trapped into a thousand yeses to things around us. We're, we're saying yes to this and yes to that and yes to this. And, you know, the average believer 
you know, watches 20 hours of TV a week in the United States. Um, you know, they're on their, their smartphones, uh, social media, six hours a day. Okay, then what does that mean? Well, that doesn't mean that I don't have enough time. We all have 168 hours in a week. The question is, how am I using my time? Mm-hmm. And see, the world has a way of encroaching and possessing little pieces of our time mm-hmm. so that ultimately our ability to dedicate enough time to kingdom activity gets choked out. Mm-hmm. And this is what Jesus talked about in the parable of the soils. You know, he talked about the first soil was on the, on the pathway that's gotten trampled, so it can't even receive mm-hmm. the word of God, the word of the kingdom. The second soil was a soil that was actually rocky. In mm-hmm. other words, unresolved issues keep the, the root of the kingdom message from going deep. We need to get healed up, you guys. We need to cast away our regrets and our, our brokenness, our unforgiveness, and we need to get our hearts pure before the Lord in that second soil. The third soil, though, which I think is what we're addressing, mm-hmm. is a soil where weeds have been planted around us. So there's other things growing up that choke out the word of God. Mm-hmm. And so, and most of them are good things. They're not sinful things in most cases. They're actually decent things, but to the extent that they choke out the possibility of the kingdom is where we actually fail. So what I want to say is that we need to actually rethink our relationship to eternity mm-hmm. because our commitment in this world or our set of commitments in this world, most of it's meaningless in the light of eternity. You're going to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. This world is just a passing moment. Read the book of James. Read the book of Peter. Like this, this, the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat, he says. He says, all flesh is like grass and the flower of the grass. It fades away. But the word of the Lord abides forever. Are we living for eternity? Right. And are we managing our time under the lordship of Christ to produce the greatest fruitfulness we can? while we're still on this earth before we go to be with him forever. These are the questions that we need to challenge the body of Christ with, or we will not see a breakthrough. And you get one life. And I just want to talk to people out there. You get one life. And if you've been, your heart's been changed by the Holy spirit, you know, all I want to do is lay this down for Christ. And so you have to surround yourself with people that are further along than you who are burning for Christ. And if you've got that, great. But if you don't, this is a place you can come. This is a place where you will find people that will help you keep that vision. And I I think that's part of being around great community. Mm -hmm. And you're getting worldwide leaders coming to mentor you who've raised up ministers ministries that are way, way, way 20 years ahead of you um, that are talking into your life. You can ask them questions. And so it's really an opportunity for you to position yourself to live for Christ in your unique passion and calling. And it's different. Like I've, I've been through ministry school. I've been through seminary. But what I did not have was friends and peers who were at my level and beyond pulling me forward. And if that's what you need, I want to encourage you to sign up. Yeah. No, I hear that. And that's really what we all need. In other words, I don't believe that any one of us can fulfill our destiny apart from community. 
obviously understanding who we are personally, understanding our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ, who Christ is in us, is crucial to the foundation of destiny discovery and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. We have a great tool called destinyfinder.com. We have the journey guide on there that, you know, it'll be the best two hours you've ever spent in your life. Really understanding your call in Christ and how you begin to build a life map to fulfill that calling. But I'll tell you something, even Destiny Finder is not enough. We need community. We need that sense of involvement. And that's why we have these catalytic groups. They meet twice a month. In fact, let me just give you the schedule. We we have a Wednesday gathering of all of our members. It's not mandatory, obviously. You know, if you're working a job and you can't make it or whatever, we understand. But that particular gathering, we have a general meeting once a month on the first Wednesday that we have a guest speaker, usually somebody who's fairly well known, speaking into our situation and really encouraging us. The next week, though, we break into catalyst, catalyst groups for about 40 minutes, 45 minutes, where we really partner with one another in that community that you're talking about to really empower and strengthen and encourage one another in the call of God that we have. The middle week, the the third week of the month, we actually do ministry. We pray for one another. We prophesy, encourage one another. And we really, because we have a strong commitment to the the presence of God. We just believe that unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. There's so many good efforts, uh, uh, you know, kind of empowered by human energy mm-hmm. out there. We don't want to build another one of those. We no. want to build something that integrates the supernatural and the super practical to produce this transformational vision. And so we have the middle week is focused on supernatural prayerful ministry to one another. Then the final week is another catalyst group. So we have two catalyst groups per month, the second and fourth, and those meetings actually are where you're going to find the camaraderie and the collaboration, the challenge to work with others, to develop the aspect of your passions that will produce the influence and impact in the world. And as you're speaking, I'm thinking about people out there who are thinking to myself, I'm not worth it. Mm. Um, And I want to tell you that Christ has deposited his spirit in you and you are, and that is a lie from the enemy and investing in yourself and in your calling is the purpose of existence. We exist Mm -hmm. in order to uh, glorify God by enjoying him. And we enjoy God most when we are living uh, what he's called us to do. Um, Mm -hmm. It shows to the world that there is one Christ and he matters above all else. Yeah. No, it's so true. In fact, if you look at John 15, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite passages of scripture, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and you'll bear fruit. Now, what is he talking about there? He's talking about the fruit of God's call in our life being manifested fully influencing others in a positive way. I mean, this is what fruit is all about. He goes on to say, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you're going to ask whatever you want. It'll be done for you. In other words, God values what you want. And then he says, and you will bear much fruit and eventually more fruit Mm -hmm. so that father will be glorified. Mm -hmm. In other words, the glorification of God is hinged to the fruit that you're going to bear in your life. And that ultimately, when we stand before Jesus, the scripture is very clear. We're going to give an account. 
Mm-hmm. First Corinthians chapter three says it very clearly. Second Corinthians chapter five, the same passage that we spend a lot of time talking about. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things become new. You know, you've been given the, um, you know, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that you might have the gift of reconciliation. I mean, all that passage. Well, right before that, he says this, he says, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for how we live this life. Right. You know, the parables are so clear. The the landowner goes away. He gives a different portion of, of wealth to each of his servants. And then he comes back and he asks for, how did you use what I gave you? Mm-hmm. See, again, we don't hear much teaching on this in our current Christian culture, but you were created for a purpose. Right. You have a God-given destiny. And that ultimately your now this doesn't influence at all God's love for you. That's absolutely mm-hmm. unconditional. It's without any performance pressure, nor does it influence your salvation. Scripture is very, very clear in Ephesians chapter 2: by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're not saved by works, but if you go to the very next verse. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Mm-hmm. In other words, we're not saved by our works. We are saved for good works. And those good works are the degree to which you will influence the lives of others, the structures and of this world. How are you positioned as an influencer? Are you winning souls to Christ? Are you making disciples? Are you training leaders? Are you impacting neighborhoods and and, uh, families and cities or not? Right. And this is where we're going to be held accountable. The accountability is not a matter of God's love, but it is a matter of God's blessing. I, I agree with that. And I would also add that the Father wants to prune us because he loves us. And there's so much of our time that's wasted. There's so much fear that holds us back from putting ourselves in these situations. And he is inviting us into something where we surrender everything to him. And that's where the joy is. is when you're serving people and you're going, God, this cost me, but I'm doing it to love you and love them. That's where the goodness is. And so many of you are hungry, living mediocre lives because you will not put yourselves in situations where um, you get pruned. And I Mm. I think uh, Leaders Alliance does that, is it gets you down to the essential. What is God calling you to do? And then it puts you with people who are pushing you at your back because... Let's face it, if you've been through a ministry school or if you've been through church for years and you've just been the same, you've got to get something else in your life. That's right. And so that's why I encourage people, get in Leaders Alliance so that um, you can be transformed. And that's the heart of Christ. He wants to put us in community of people who are missional so that it... Um, changes us in the process, and then we're able to give that away to other people. And there's Absolutely. joy in mentoring others. There, and it, it's just, just like, you know, I've been in a lot of online groups. I've, I've been in groups about film editing because I've made a film, um, and they're so helpful. And I think the mistake as we're running into this new season of technology where people are starting to try stuff online 
is that maybe a lot of people out there are afraid, uh, well, it won't feel connected if I'm doing something online. That's mm -hmm. a lie. I've, yeah. I've, yeah. I have a personal small group of some of my best friends on a Sunday night that is probably the most connective I've ever been in a small wow. group. Wow. And so technology is transforming things and yeah. get in on this at the bottom. You want to meet young Heidi Bakers. You want to meet young yes. Randy Clarks. Yes. Um, they're coming up through the ranks and you're seeing their hearts and you go, these people are so beautiful. And I'm drawn into who Christ is because I'm seeing beauty at a level I can't get sometimes at my local church. Wow. No, that's so true. And that's where... Um, even healings, even getting touched together in prayer by the Holy Spirit can happen mm -hmm. online. So sure. it's, it's such a great thing. Well, we're going to wrap up, but but let me just share a little bit about how to proceed, how to move forward yeah. here. Okay. Um, obviously, visiting our website is a great starting point because we have actually a, a free training on the, the front of our website, a little pop-up window. Just sign up for that and you'll be guided through a set of ten, three 10-minute trainings. These trainings are designed to help you start thinking like a leader. Because we believe if we're going to bring reformation to the world around us, we need to actually raise the leader level of the average believer. We actually have two courses that are coming out, a foundations course in leadership and also an advanced course in leadership. The foundations deals with the issue of your personal leadership. How do you lead your own life? How do you lead in your family with individuals and friends? Are you stepping into the leadership that God wants you to walk in. But then the second portion, the advanced leadership, talks about organizational leadership. And this applies to family. It applies in a church setting. It applies in a marketplace setting. In other words, all of us are called to lead somehow. Mm -hmm. Some of our scope will be leading one-on-one. -on -one, some will be leading in small groups. Others will be leading thousands. We all have a different scope of leadership. But as a follower of Jesus... You're the smartest person in the room. You're going to be the person who's actually able to influence that organization towards greater and greater kingdom awareness and application. So we want to help you grow in your personal leadership skills. And that's why we offer this free training as a sampler. But then the other training will actually guide you into deeper and deeper application of, of leadership. Okay. Also, we want to create that coalition that connection point, that community of kingdom-minded leaders. Because we believe that none of us can do this thing up by ourselves, that none of us are actually uh, to be lone rangers. Mm -hmm. that, that, that kingdom of God is a, is a team sport. Christianity is a team sport. So we need to connect with others to manifest that diversity in unity to create the synergy that produces transformation. Okay, And then finally, we really want to raise the awareness level the sense of urgency that's in our hearts, because we believe the time is short. We believe that Jesus is going to return to this earth at some point in the near future, and that we want to prepare this world for him. And one of the greatest ways we can do that is by bringing people into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Another way is by helping them to become the followers of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, and then ultimately to step into their personal leadership calling so that they can be the world influencer that Jesus called them to be. Mm -hmm. So this is really what we're about. I just want to announce also that we're, we're taking a little break from our normal schedule through the holiday, but we're going to come back in January 
with some amazing speakers, and we're actually doing an open house. So if you're interested in Leaders Alliance, please join us for free for the month of January. This is going to be an open house time. You're going to be able to come to each of our gatherings. You're going to be able to check things out personally, taste and see that this is really something that God has authored and that it's going to actually be used by God to help you grow into the fullness of who Jesus created you to be so you can become the world changer that he created you to become. Amen. So the website is leaderalliance.org. Leaders Alliance. Leadersalliance.org. Um, if you want to find out more, you can go on that. And so thank you, Michael, for coming on today, letting me interview you. Mm -hmm. um, I look forward to more of your podcast. Excellent. Well, God bless all of you that are listening, both now and in the future. And uh, join us. We're going to have some fun together changing the world. Mm -hmm.